Hey, good morning. My name is Vern Collins. Uh, I'm grateful to be up here with uh, Lori Beth Huffman. And as Lori Beth said a moment ago, the Gremlins have gotten a hold of our, our ability to play video. And I, I just went on um, before we started and did a video to our folks on Instagram and said, hey, the reason we're going away from that is so that you can see videos when we show them. Apparently now I've, I've cursed us and no one uh, can see videos. Um, so, so one of the things that we had planned was to have our, our passage from Acts 2 uh, and, and Luke's telling of the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit um, read in, in languages that, that, are, that, that are not English, right? Um, just to help kind of wrap our minds around what, might, what that might have been like. But, uh, and, and I'll read the passage. I'm not going to read it in a different language. I mean, I could, I could just make stuff up. But, um, but before we begin, I, I do want to take a moment to give a shout out to Brandon Greer. Um, Brandon is our, um, has, has been our tech director uh, for, for this, like the duration of this crazy season that we've been in. And, and one of the things that, uh, that Brandon has had to wrestle with is, one, us coming up with ideas and saying, hey, we should do this. What do you think? Can you make it happen? And two, um, you know, when stuff doesn't work. And so, uh, and this is Brandon's last, uh, last Sunday with us as tech director. Brandon will continue to be a part of our, our church family, and we're grateful for that. Um, but we just want to celebrate Brandon. So if you know him, if you, yeah, um, Brandon, we love you, man. If, if you know him, if, if, you know, you're friends with him on social media, drop him a line. He, he has worked uh, tirelessly to, um, to make this make this happen and, and to keep up with our, our whims and our, our big ideas. So um, let, me, let me read our passage uh, from Acts chapter 2. I'll be reading from the NIV. This is Acts 2, uh, and we'll look at verses uh, 1 through 12 to begin with. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own, in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near uh, Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And, and that's really what we want to try to right. answer this what morning. What does this mean? So if you have uh, 60 minutes, um, buckle up, because we're going to try to answer that question. What does it mean? <laughs> Just kidding. So this is a powerful story for the life of the church, mm-hmm. right? And, and we would have heard it read in languages that many of us aren't familiar with just to try to capture what Luke is trying to capture uh, for the church here. And, and I cannot think of a more important scripture. I mean, it's Pentecost, so obviously this is where we would tend to focus this morning, but I can't think of a more important scripture for us to spend some time with based on where we are in the world right now, right? We are in a place where between the pandemic, 
that we are facing and, and this reality um, that exists for so many of us right now. We, none of us are untouched by it. Um, not only that, but, but racial tensions that are elevated right now in a way that demands us to pay attention. Um, in a time when despair and, and, and fear and pain and injustice and hatred and, and, you know, pick any number of other descriptors that seem to describe the state of the world uh, in which we find ourselves leaves us feeling, you know, afraid and, and frustrated and, and angry and saddened. We need Pentecost and the hope of Pentecost more than ever. Mm-hmm. It feels like our world is, in a lot of ways, splintering right mm-hmm. now. And yet I believe that there is something that we find in, in this, this story that Luke captures in Pentecost and the birth of the church. You know, while it's something that we, we kind of hold on to and look back to and, and say, gosh, what a, what a powerful and incredible thing that was, there's something in that for, for all of us. And, and one of the things that makes a passage like this so difficult, there, Scripture tends to fall into one of two categories. It's either prescriptive or it's descriptive. And we know what to do with prescriptive Scripture, Scripture that right. tells us what to do or Scripture that gives us an example to follow or a truth to cling to or something to, to stand on, right, mm-hmm. to build our lives around. Um, you know, whether it is, you know, looking at Psalm 1 and the, the promise that, that goes along with those who, who choose to walk um, in a way where they revere God's Word and in a way where they, they seek to build their lives around that versus walking in the way of wickedness. We can look at that and say, I see the distinction there, and, mm-hmm. and I should build my life out of a place where I, where I love the Scripture, I love God's Word, and I want to, you know, build my life on that. Or, or a Scripture that we read a lot, and we use it a lot in Crossroads as a benediction, Hebrews 12. Um, so, you know, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that, that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus and, and, and run, you know, the race marked out for us. We can read that and say, I think that gives me something to do. Whereas a scripture like this, the account that, that Luke is, the picture that Luke is painting for us, that's, that's descriptive. He's describing something that happens. And so we might look at it and say, wow, that was fantastical or, or <laughs> out of the ordinary or not something that I'm sure I would really like to experience or, or something I would really like to experience depending on where you land with the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And we might look at that and know that it's important because we know that it describes for us the birth of the church, but then we just kind of move past it, right? We're not really sure what to do with that because if we were to look at that passage as being prescriptive, then we would have to say, well, the only way that the message can really go out if we're basing it on the way we would read that prescriptively is to say we have to speak in languages that are not our own and there has to be the sound of wind and there has to be tongues of fire and and on your given Sunday, that's not what we experience, right? right? So to, to look at this thing that Luke is describing and ask the question, what does it mean? Why does this matter? Why is this important for more than just the origin of the church? And, and so that, that's led us to this place. And I'm, I'm going to have, uh, Lori Beth, I'm going to have you share kind of where we're starting this morning and, and, and what we hope is going to happen over the next five weeks. Because rather than move past this, Right. And say, wow, Holy Spirit, awesome. Pretty sure that's important, but we're not sure what to do with it, so we're going to move past it. We're going to sit in this for a few weeks, right? W- would you kind of yeah. just share the origins of this? Yes, and, and you, you've set that up nicely, but our hope and desire is 
to spend six weeks specifically kind of drilling down on who and what is the Holy Spirit? How does it move to help us understand um, who the Spirit is and then to help us to understand how the Spirit moves, because those are kind of two different things. And the reason this feels so timely is not only is it Pentecost, but as Vern has already described, it, it feels like we're facing a strange new world. And you know, we've known for weeks and months how this COVID-19 has altered our life. It altered the church. Within three days, it altered how we have done church. Um, and we don't know how long this is going to be with us. The church has evolved in just a few weeks into something that is different, it's new, it's full of possibility, and we aren't really sure how long we will be in this place. And maybe if we're being truly honest, we know that it's never gonna go back to exactly the way it was pre-March of this year. Um, But we also look around the world and there is this this deep unrest. We hit 100,000 deaths in the United States this week from COVID-19. On Friday, the state of North Carolina had 1,200 people test positive in one day. And we, we are in the, one of the highest growth rates of, of where this is breaking out right. right now in our country. And then, of course, you turn on the news and everywhere you see there is unrest, deep unrest around the, the death of George Floyd. And so there's just the sense of uneasiness, of tension, of, of not being sure what the future holds. And that is not unlike what the disciples were experiencing right. after Jesus ascended a deep uneasiness, a a sense of what in the world is going to happen next and what are we supposed to do in the midst of this. But the big difference here is Jesus promised them the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, hang on, wait, I am sending you an advocate. I'm sending you a guide um, that will help you. And thus Pentecost and the spirit came like in full force and revealed itself and off the early church went. Well, a couple of colleagues and I were talking about this and there's just this deep sense of needing to pray and seek for like a second Pentecost, for an an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come right now in these tenuous times. And so that's kind of, that was the the beginning of this next um, six weeks together and actually this summer. And we'll talk more about this, but how powerful would it be for us to spend time as a church to pray for the Holy Spirit to come again, um, pour itself out in a meaningful way for us now and to use Pentecost as a springboard for this kind of hope and longing for a revival. Right. So that's, that's kind of where it came from and what we're broad strokes of what we're hoping to do. Right. And, and one, of the, like one of the threads that runs through the entirety of Scripture, and, and it's recorded in, in the book of you know, Revelation, but is this idea of God doing a new thing, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, I mean, for some of us who don't really like change, we're like, oh, hold on, new thing. Like, I kind of like things the way that they are. Well, for none of us, like, there's no precedent for this. You know, mm-hmm. there's, things are not the way that they used to be. Mm-hmm. And so, while we can have some longing for that, to, to put ourselves in a, a, a posture of, of hoping and praying and seeking the new thing that God is bring, birthing out of this, right. like that would be the posture of the church. And that's the kind of posture that, 
the world needs. And, and Jesus modeled it too, because he talked about putting new wine in new wineskins mm -hmm. and not trying to put the new wine in old wineskins right. and old containers and old formulas. So right. Um, you're right, it is kind of God's MO, even though it makes us uncomfortable. Right, right. So, so as excited as we are, and, and this is, I mean, my, gosh, like you, my heart just beats for this. Mm -hmm. You know, beats for, I mean, yes, the, the building is closed. Yes, there are a handful of us in the room together each Sunday morning, and this isn't church as we know it, but the church hasn't ceased to exist, no. you know? And so our hearts beat for this, and, and our hope is that you will join us on this journey um, of exploring what would it mean for the Holy Spirit to reinvigorate us right. and remind us, one, of who we are, but, but what the church exists for, right? So as excited as we are um, about this, this series, uh, I think that it's important when, as we start to maybe deal with some of the baggage that we have right. uh, around the Holy Spirit. And, and there tend to be, like you tend to kind of fall into one of two camps primarily when it comes to talking about the Holy Spirit. One is that you, like the moment the Holy Spirit begins to be mentioned in a place other than just a prayer where that's supposed to, like the Holy Spirit can, we can name the Holy Spirit in a prayer and we're grateful that it's contained there, but let's keep him there, <laughs> you know. Um, as the Holy Spirit begins to be mentioned and we talk about it, a lot of people start to feel uneasy mm -hmm. because we don't know what to do with the Spirit. God the Father, we can wrap our heads around that. Even if we don't have a great, like, earthly fatherly example, we can still wrap our heads around, right. okay, maybe there's, a, there's something different about God as our Father. Jesus, the Son, you know, we, gosh, we, we, we know what to do with Jesus. We love Jesus. We're, we're thankful for Jesus and, and the life He lived and, and what He gave for us on the cross. But the Holy Spirit, the moment you start talking about that, it's, you know, on a Sunday morning, people are thinking, well, now be a good time to get up and go to the bathroom or, you know, for those of you <laughs> All of you who are watching online, like, is there a rerun of a cornhole tournament that I can flip <laughs> to right now? Because I, I, I'm a little nervous about what might happen. Maybe you're safer in your homes than being here. Maybe not, because the Holy <laughs> Spirit is not bound by no. buildings, right? So you're either uneasy because you're not sure what to do with the Holy Spirit, or you land in a place where you just become unhinged at the thought of the Holy Spirit moving. Like you're already reaching for your anointing oil. You're like, <laughs> I have my, my spirit flag in the car. I keep my shafar in my briefcase. I'm ready to blow that horn. Like I just give me a reason to run up around the room, right? Um, I love that we have Gary back yes. here with us on base this morning because, you know, there, there are a few people in our midst, Gary and Johnny Carson is one, they're our Holy Spirit barometers. Like right. when the Spirit starts to move, we know because they, <laughs> these guys respond. So some of us are just, we're just waiting for an opportunity. But I think that there's a third category. And I think that it's maybe even more dangerous than entrenching ourselves in one of those other two camps. And that is that we just walk around unaware mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That we are content to, to look to God the Father. We are content to worship Jesus the Son. Mm -hmm. But we could, we could do without the work of the Holy Spirit. And I believe in so many ways we could point to challenges that the, the Western church, that's us, face today as being a result of the fact that we have taken that view right. of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I wonder if, if you can talk about, like, why, why do you think we tend to live in this place where 
you know, we're content to just not give a whole lot of thought to the Holy Spirit? That's, that's part one of the question. Then I have a follow-up to that. Right. It's um, that leeriness, that hesitancy, or maybe even an ambivalence to the Holy Spirit. I, I think there's probably lots of reasons that it plays out in that way, but one of them is that we truly just don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, and it just doesn't get as much time and attention and focus. When I was thinking about, you know, this question, I realized three-fourths, 77% of the Bible is Old Testament. Mm. And that focuses on telling God's story. Um, what is God doing right. in our midst? And then you've got, you know, 23% is the New Testament. Well, most of that are the four gospels, and that's telling Jesus's story. Uh, and then, you know, Paul's teaching to the church, the book of Acts, one book out of the Bible is really focused on telling the Holy Spirit mm. story. Mm. And so I think it just hasn't gotten as much um, airtime, so to speak. And so it does become almost an afterthought. Um, because as you said, we get God, we get Jesus. We aren't sure about the Holy Spirit. Mm. Most of us aren't. And so when we don't understand something, we tend to just ignore it, right. just stay ignorant, you know, about it. And we're content to put our focus and attention elsewhere. Um, and, but unfortunately, I think that's, that's so detrimental. Right. Um, and, and I wonder, too, if one of the things that keeps us kind of in this maybe even blissful unawareness, um, one of the books that I love about the Holy Spirit, um, Forgotten God in it, Francis Chan talks about how we don't really like to be led by anyone hmm. or, or we like to be very choosy about who leads us. Right. Right. And with the Holy Spirit, we don't really get a say as to how the Spirit leads us, how the Spirit works in our lives. Um, you know, and so I think one of the things that we tend to do is to um, kind of fill the void with, with noise and other things that are just uh, enough to distract us, mm -hmm. right, and, and keep us from being sensitive to um, and, and, and hearing and, and being aware of the way that the Holy Spirit moves in our midst. But, and, and we could name that and say, well, we probably just need to do better, right? We need, to be, we need to create more space for the Spirit to move. But I think that we also need to consider the fact that it's, it's detrimental right. to the church and to us as believers. Do you want to talk yeah. some about? And I, 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 talk, I mean, I, I use selective hearing as what you just described, right? right? And, and those of us that are married, we know all about selective hearing because we have spouses that it's amazing now when we're talking to the right, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. And then, the, well, this is Greg, and I do it to him too. So, but he will hear like a sound in our house, like a mechanical sound. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right, no, don't off. you hear that? Right, yeah. Don't you hear that? I'm like, no, I'll have a conversation with him in like another room or whatever. He's like, I can't hear you. <laughs> and it drives me crazy, but I do the same thing to him. I do this selective hearing. And I think we, we do the same thing to the Holy Spirit. It's like we, we listen very selectively because we don't necessarily want to respond or be responsible to do what the Holy Spirit might be prompting us to do. And so why it's detrimental is because, oh man, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit right. to the disciples for an important reason. Right. It was to guide them, help them become apostles so they could then take the story, the good news 
um, way beyond, way beyond um, Jerusalem. And, and so it was being open to the guidance of the Holy Spirit that was going to keep them on track. And for us personally, it's the movement and the guidance of the Holy Spirit that helps us to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when we selectively hear the Holy Spirit, then we are much more at risk of losing our way, right. both the church and us as Jesus followers. Right, right. So, so we've named some of, the, some of the challenges around considering the Holy Spirit and, and, and valuing the Holy Spirit as being an integral part of, of the Trinity and an integral part of our, our faith journey, mm-hmm. right? But let's look for a minute at what's happening in this passage and see um, what we can learn yeah. about um, the way, what, what, what was happening then with the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. what that might mean for us today, right? right? So um, Luke begins this account by saying they were all together in one place. And I, oh, I love that. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in, in one place. Jesus had told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. And that must have been a terrifying thing for them to hear. Mm-hmm. That was the place where Jesus was tried <laughs> right. and crucified. And, you know, a lot of those guys went into hiding when that mm-hmm. happened. And, and yet he tells them, you know, rather than running for cover and setting up camp somewhere else, I want you to stay there. Yeah. You know, don't leave that place. So, so they gathered the other followers of Jesus and they were together in one place. And we have to believe that their posture was one of waiting, uh, maybe even one of prayer. Jim Cimbala in um, his book, I believe it's Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, mm-hmm. and talking about the Holy Spirit says, you know, if you look at these like church growth and church planting um, <clears throat> seminars and courses and um, events that, that we pay a lot of money to go to, rarely is the instruction, root yourselves in a posture of prayer and waiting for the Holy Spirit to move. Right. Right? So that for us is a challenge out of the gate. What is your posture before the Lord? Is it one of waiting or is it one of saying, these are the passages that I have to read for my quiet time and these are the people I need to pray for and I need to get through these things so I can get on with my day. Right. And listen, there's something to be said for being attentive to the work that God's given us to do. But what we see here is that the work was done, but it wasn't before beginning in, in a, you know, a posture of waiting and mm-hmm. prayerfulness and expectation. I believe that's the other piece to it. Yep. So, so the Pentecost, just real quickly, um, was another one of the festivals that, that the Jewish people traveled for. So people who lived outside of Jerusalem came to Jerusalem for Pentecost in the same way that they did for the Passover, which was roughly 50 days before this. So Pinta, 50, 50 days after the Passover celebration, they would come back to Jerusalem. Um, and and there's, some, there's some depth to it, and there's some, um, it's believed to be connected to the, the, the first fruits of the, the offering of the, the grain harvest. Um, it, it's, there's also connection that, uh, to the giving of the law in Sinai. So it's, it's deeply rooted in um, the, the culture of, of God's people. But they come back to, um, you know, to Jerusalem. Yep. And, and they're there to, you know, to, um, my words just fell out of my mouth. Um, they're there to worship. They're there to remember. Right. They're there it to, was a pilgrimage. Yeah, to, um, to do the things that God would have them do. Only in this Pentecost, something different happened. In the same way that in the Passover that they just celebrated, something different happened. Okay. Right? Right. So we have these things that are familiar to us. And yet, do we expect that God can still break in and do something new? Right. The Holy Spirit comes in a way that is, you know, sound of a blowing wind, 
tongues of fire. Ben and I offered, I love, I love the, the work that, that was done to set up the altar, altar. Ben and I offered to take care of the fire, but uh, no. Lord Beth said no. So. <laughs> um, but, but tongues of fire, you know, Holy Spirit comes in, in a way that, is, that just leaves us with a lot of questions. And I think it's important to ask questions of Scripture, but the reality is that as many questions as we might ask about this passage, I don't know that they would ever be answered in a way that would satisfy us. Right. And so I wonder if maybe a different posture to take would be one of just being in awe of it. Right. And, and being excited Wonderment. over what happened. I mean, because for the church, this would, this would have been like, you know, we all have classic stories that we like to tell. This would have been a classic. This was a story that would have been recited for decades, for years later. We're still telling this story as we consider what it means to be the church and where the church came from. Right. So as you read this passage, like, what are things that excite you about what's happening here? Right. I, well, I love the first four v- verses because it, it just paints such a picture of movement and action. Mm. I mean, the images that are used to describe this nearly indescribable thing, the Holy Spirit, are flames of fire and a rushing wind. Those are both... Um, action-oriented images. And so you can just feel that something is getting ready to happen here, that something unexpected is taking place. And I love that because those are things I embrace. I love the unexpected. I love being a part of action. Um, But I also uh, am fascinated by the fact that all of these people from all over the, the, the Near East world came together for this pilgrimage. They were gathered and they could all hear in their native language. Mm. And these disciples, these Galileans, were speaking languages. Country boys, right? Yeah, yeah, right. They had not been taught these languages, and they were speaking them. Well, the significance of that to me is important, that this, this movement that was getting ready to happen was getting ready to break open mm. wide, that right. it was not meant for the chosen people of Israel alone. Right. It was getting ready to move far beyond the, that location where, it, where Jesus had, had even been and ministry had taken place. And I love, I love the fact that it's signaling, all right, off we go. Mm. And then for me, the, the third thing that's so interesting is the last sentence that you, you read and focused on is like, well, um, what they were declaring were the wonders of God. Yes. They weren't declaring the laws of God, right? right? right. They weren't reading Moses' Old Testament right. commandments. They were telling stories of the wonderment of all that, that God and Jesus had done. And to me, those, those words were inspirational. They inspired of movement. They symbolized of something that was far beyond us as humans and that something was getting ready to happen. And to me, that's so exciting to be able to even today be part of this movement of the Holy Spirit, Mm. of something big and incredible and to embrace it with wonderment. Yeah. I think that's what it does call us to do. Yeah. And and it's, I think, like, I love what's happening here. So if we think from Luke's, like, vantage point, the story he's telling like from his horizon, the whole world is gathered in this place, right? right? The whole Jewish world essentially is gathered in, in one place. And so what Luke is trying to do is to say there is, there is an outbreaking of the power and the presence of God in a way that we haven't seen before. Right. Right? And, and like, so no longer do we need a man up on the mountain like Moses, right? Mm-hmm. No longer do we need an intermediary. Now God has come to us. And we know mm-hmm. that God did that in the person of Jesus, um, uh, Eugene Peterson says it in the message translations in John 1, God put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood, right? right? 
But now, something that they experienced outside of them in the person of Jesus, now the disciples are probably having this aha moment like, oh, this is what Jesus came to accomplish all along. Yes, our salvation, but yes, to, but more importantly, to put us in a place where we, where God makes his home in us mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit, like this mm-hmm. indwelling of the right. Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so something that was once outside now has the potential to be a part of us and to right. move us and to shape us. Um, and, and this, you know, so their response to this is they just begin praising God. I mean, the, telling the wonders of God, that's worship, right? When we share testimony in church, when we speak about what God has done, we're worshiping God. And, and out of that is birthed the mission of the church. Right. Incredible, right? That out of our worship, out of our telling the story and adoring God, now all of a sudden we're in this place where, like, the mission comes forth from us. Mm-hmm. And, and so just a few things that we see happening here that I think help us understand and help us wrap our minds around why this was important then and why it, it, it matters for us now. And the reason that it's important for us to read this story is, one, that it gives us hope, it excites us, it encourages us, but it can also convict us, mm-hmm. right? Do we live with the same kind of expectation? Do we live with the same kind of willingness? I mean, these guys right. still, in all likelihood, their lives are on the line here. And, and we'll see that continue to play out in Acts and mm-hmm. in Paul's ministry, and yet they approach it with such boldness. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's conviction there. But, so the first thing that we see the Holy Spirit do is that, the, and, and I'm using movement word here because mm-hmm. I love the way that you said that, the Spirit moves into the neighborhood. Jesus promises in, in John chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit will come and make its home in us. And, and that's one of the things that we believe happens in, in baptism, right? The moment that we say yes to Jesus, we, we, are, we are given into this place where we exist in relationship with God, where we can talk to the creator of the universe directly, but we also have the Holy Spirit come and dwell in us, right? right? And I wonder, are, are we making space for the Holy Spirit to come and live. Hmm. Because we tend to crowd our lives with so many things that, that just, uh, listen, we can't keep the Spirit out. Right. But we crowd our lives with so many things that keep us, as we said a moment ago, from experiencing that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So I think for some of us, the starting place is to examine. You yep. know, examine our lives. What are we filling our lives with that are not of God or that are not God's best for us? Um, and, and what would it mean to begin to, you know, begin our day with, begin our week with, spend time together as a family, creating space for the Holy Spirit to come and, and to dwell and, and be in us. So the Holy Spirit moves into the neighborhood. The Holy Spirit moves us to proclamation. And I love that that's the first thing that happened. Mm-hmm. They're simply telling the story of God as the Spirit enabled them. Right. Because I think a lot of us want to be better at telling that story. And we ask the question, gosh, I don't what if I don't want to have answers to all the questions? Mm-hmm. Join the club. Right. <laughs> no, right. None of us do. Unless you just say, well, the answer is Jesus. Go and figure that out, right? <laughs> that's the, that's the, the Sunday school answer is Jesus. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the Holy Spirit not only moves us to proclaim the wonders of God, but empowers us to do so. And the way that sounds coming out of your mouth and the way that sounds you know, in each, of, in each of our contexts individually might look different. Right. The way that you share the gospel and speak of the wonders of God with somebody might be very different from the way that I do it. Right. But God is no less glorified in that. Mm-hmm. All God needs is a willingness, a posture of, yes. God, I expect that you're going to move. And, and, and I'm ready. Right. I want to be a part of, of what you're doing. And then I think the, this is 
maybe the place where we tend to be most resistant. The Holy Spirit moves us to transformation. Right. And, and Paul captures that in Second Corinthians, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and there's transformation. We are, we are going on to become like Jesus. And, and John Wesley was, he, he rode that horse. He understood that, that we're in process, mm-hmm. you know. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. You're still in the process of becoming like Jesus. Right. So the Holy Spirit moves into our lives, moves us to proclaim, and moves us to becoming more like Christ in this world. And, and that, that gives us a lot to chew on, but I think the thing that we need to understand, and, and we'll just close with this final, this final piece, the thing that, that moves, the, the thing that we have to understand is that the Holy Spirit does that in the context of community. Yes. Right? You're uniquely created in the image of God. I'm uniquely created in the image of God. God knows you individually. Mm-hmm. But God's heart for you, God's heart for me, for all of us, is not that we walk around a bunch of individuals trying to faithfully follow Jesus. Right. Jesus came to make a people, right? A kingdom inhabited by a people. Mm-hmm. And so after Peter, <clears throat> again, a great story. Read this in between sometime in your reading this week. But if you jump ahead to verse 42... After Peter proclaims this message and connecting the dots for the people who are there, you know, of who Jesus is as the Messiah, the promised Messiah, says people are cut to the heart. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mm-hmm. convicting them, and they say, what must we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. Right. Turn away from your old way of living and be baptized into something new. Mm-hmm. So then Luke paints this, this beautiful description of the early church. They, that is not only the disciples, but all who would come to believe, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Holy Spirit didn't come and say, here's your building. Make the most of it. Do what you can with it. I'm out of here. The Holy Spirit came and said, here is a people. Exist in relationship with one another. And, and we'll, we'll talk more about this, I believe, as we get into right. the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that we understand about God is that God exists in relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when we follow Jesus in relationship with one another, we are mirroring for the world the fullness of who God is. Right. None of us are called to walk this alone. You know, those of us who are introverts could say, no, I'm content to just wait and be in that posture of waiting and, and, and spend my time with the Lord. That's great. Do that. God, has, God knows the work that he needs to do in each of our lives individually. But the way that that is meant to be lived out is in the context of community. Yeah. And for those who are extroverts, we need people in our lives who say, hey, what is God saying to you? Hmm. How are you creating time for, for the Holy Spirit to move and to work in your life? Right. So as we move through these next several weeks, understand that everything that we talk about in the ways that the Holy Spirit will move and the ways that the Holy Spirit will work, it's this both and. In your life as an individual, our hope and our prayer for you is that you experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. 
but that you also experience that in the context of relationship with one another, yeah. right? Because that's the thing that is going to propel us as the church to living into the dream that God has for us as a right. church and the way that we impact this community and the way that we offer hope in this time that seems so hopeless and the way that we are a light in the darkness and the way that we are a voice of truth in the midst of so much that seems untrue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are super excited about that. Anything you want to add in closing? Yeah, just to say we also want to invite you into this um, we want to invite you into a season of prayer, yes. uh, and we're going to unfold this this week, but we really do want to, as a church, be very intentional about seeking, praying, as you, to create a posture where we are welcoming, seeking the Holy Spirit. And so over the months this summer, we're going to be an intentional prayer together for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have some lay um, video testimonies that we'll be sharing that our own people are, are going to be sharing with you. We'll get you a weekly guide out, but we really want to invite a season of prayer, um, seeking the Holy Spirit to yes. come right now in yes. this crazy time that we live in. Let the Holy Spirit guide us. Yes. And, and so we, we really want to be intentional and we'll tell you more about that. Um, but this is a great way to start um, to enter into that season. Yeah. So thanks. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah.